This, this is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Let me be amongst the first to wish you a happy 2016. Hard to believe we are celebrating a new year, lieutenants. And we have a special show for you today. It is our 2015 year-end retrospective, where we will look back at some of the great moments that we shared Last year, hard to believe we're saying 2015 is last year, but I extend to you, as always, my long-ash Happy New Year's greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, say Semper Delictatio, always pleasure as we start the new year, and in this hour, we'll talk Cuba. We will talk the EPA going after your grills, some of the Super Bowl ads where they were trashing men, and we've got a great interview with Rear Admiral Brian Losey, who is in charge of the Naval Special Warfare Command. Enjoy Hour 1 of today's Cigar Dave Show. I am so sick and tired of hearing all these Americans jumping up and down saying, we're going to go to Cuba, we're going to buy property, we're going to start making money, we're going to make contacts, we're going to make millions in Cuba. And as of right now, it is nothing more than a fairy tale. It is a fantasy, and it is amazing to me how these people are just flying down to Cuba blindly without any regard for the torture, for the mistreatment of political dissidents and political prisoners that are jailed in cruel conditions. I have to get a kick when the useless nations, the UN as I call them, the useless nations, has the chutzpah the unmitigated gall to state that the United States mistreats their people with human injustice, Israel mistreats people, and yet China, Cuba, North Korea go unscathed. And the reason that this is so near and dear to me is because not only are there numerous people in the world of cigars, in the cigar business, and I could give you names from now until the end of the show going on two hours of people that had to flee Cuba because when Castro came to power, when he promised, just like Obama, that he's going to bring fairness to all, that it'll be great for business and it'll be great for the country, blatantly lied upon taking power and soon thereafter he nationalized and seized private businesses, including cigar manufacturers, and the list goes on and on and on. Padron family, the Perdomo family, the, the Benji Menendez from H. Upman and uh, Monte Cristo. These people didn't leave Cuba. The Taranos, they didn't leave Cuba voluntarily. 
They left Cuba because Castro came in and said, you either work for us, we take your company, or we put you in jail. They did what you and I would do. They got their ass out of town, out of the country, and they started with nothing. Benji Menendez, one of the great men, he is a true gentleman. He is a man that I have learned so much from, who I respect, a man who started in his father's cigar factory, Menendez E. Garcia, back in Havana, when he was five sweeping floors, worked his way up to run factories and work for General Cigar in Altadas, recently retired. I got to know Benji very well over the last 20 years, and when I was with him in the Dominican Republic numerous times, he told me and sat me down and talked about how he lost everything. They left with the clothes on their back. All they had was the knowledge in their brain. And he said, General, I've had money. I've had no money. Your character, integrity is not marked by your bank account, what you have, but with your honor. And he's 100% right. And it hits me close to home because my mother and her parents had to leave. Had to leave Egypt in the late 1950s, 56, when uh, President Nasser came to power. And it got very bad for certain groups in Egypt. They had to leave with nothing on the, but the clothes on their backs. So when I hear people jumping up and down, going on television, and there was a group that took Tampa, the Cigar City, down to Cuba, and why News Channel 8 gave them any publicity is beyond me, but they made a big stinking deal by saying, oh, this group's going to go down. They are going to create contacts. It's going to be the next frontier of tourism and money, and it's going to be great for Tampa and great for Americans. Baloney. Poppycock. It's a load of horse dung. And I've had people say, well, General, why don't you go down? You could have gone down ages ago. And the answer is, you're damn right I could have. But I won't because I'm a, a general with integrity, honor, and principle. And I will not go down to Cuba until they're either free elections or the Castros have been killed or assassinated or put in the ground. That's how strongly I feel about this. And I am sick and tired of Americans going down blindly without any regard for the political ramifications, the human rights ramifications. I have honor and integrity. I don't sell that out. I never will sell that out. I never have sold it out. And there have been numerous times when I've had plenty of opportunities to do so. But your integrity is priceless. And I'm not dumb enough. And you have to remember one thing, lieutenants. I'm a very intelligent five-star. And I don't say that to be braggadocious. But just like Howard Cosell said, I'm a very bright man. I am. And I think that not only I'm book smart, but I'm far more common sense smart and street smart than I am book smart. Although I think I am pretty damn book smart. But I got that from my grandfather, Cigar Abe, who was very street smart. I think a seventh grade education, but he was sharper than a tack. Learned a lot how to develop relationships and integrity to be able to do business with people just on a handshake. And I can tell you that it is, it absolutely galls me when I see people jumping up and down in an orgasmic state because Cuba has now supposedly opened up. Well, here's a news flash to all those people that are too unintelligent to know what really is going on. Cuba hasn't opened up. The only way Cuba, the Cuban embargo is going to end is by an act of Congress. 
Obama can't end the embargo with a presidential order, that the Helms-Burton law, which was passed, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago, specifically excluded the president from unilaterally embargo. The only way the embargo can be lifted is by a positive vote in the House and the Senate and then signed by the president. Until that happens, nobody's going to invest anything in Cuba from the United States of America unless they do it illegally. And there will people, there will be people that will try to do that. People saying, oh, we're going to go buy land. Oh, we're going to invest. Where the hell are you going to buy the land? I mean, this government controls everything. If the media would do 30 seconds, 30 seconds of intelligent research, they would know there isn't going to be any business done with Cuba until the Helms-Burton Embargo Act has been lifted by the Congress and signed by the president. But to all those people that blatantly think they're going to go down to Cuba and they're going to disregard the true atrocities that Raul and Fidel Castro and the communist regime have been putting political dissidents through, if you don't think that through, then all you people are not intelligent and you have zero integrity. And I can tell you I'm not going down to that country. I was going to say something else, but I have to keep it clean because of FCC regulations until the Castros are whacked and done. One thing I agree with Marco Rubio, and I agree with a lot of him, not everything, but I do agree. We should not give Cuba the light of day. We didn't get anything in return for Obama opening up a little detente. And then I see that Raul Castro is with Pope Francis, and they're all bosom buddies. Let me tell you, Pope Francis, you seem to be a man that cares a lot about certain people. You, you care about humanity. Have you forgotten how these people, how the Castros torture political dissidents and religious dissidents? Maybe you, Pope Francis, need a, re, a, a little primer and a little refresher course on how evil the Castro brothers are. This general is never going down to Cuba until the Castros are dead. Take it to the bank. You, you need to add some alpha to your Facebook news feed. By following the general, you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars. Info on the show each week and see what the general is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. This is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner, or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate, and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth, it will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it, the oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General warning, cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. 
Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. The story that made the cigar. The cigar that made history. 80 years ago, Monte Cristo began a legacy of crafting only the finest cigars. Now, that legacy is honored by the very special, extremely limited edition Monte Cristo 80th Anniversary Cigar. Crafted for the first time, Dominican Pilatico Tobacco. Grown from seeds hand-carried from Cuba by Pepe Mendez. This exclusive cigar is like no other, rolled in a dark and oily Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. The Monte Cristo 80th Anniversary Cigar. Features a rich, fuller-bodied, and wonderfully complex smoke. Packaged in an elegant handmade box, these exceptional cigars are available now at your local tobacconist. Honor the legacy with the Monte Cristo 80th Anniversary. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. It's Cigar Dave's 2015 year-end retrospective. This year, we learned that the rat bastards at the EPA have overreached again and gone after your grill. The general has the details. I have stated for many years that the enemies of pleasure are going to go after your steak. They're going to go, at, not going, they are going after our cigars. They're going after our libations. They're going after our snacks. And now I have two documented items evidencing that the EPA would like to get into your grills, your barbecue pits, and your showers. The EPA is eyeing pollution from backyard barbecues. I called this. I called this a couple of years ago. I said, mark my words, they're going to come after those of us that like to grill, whether it's the steak, whether it's the coal, the propane, the wood, the smokers. Mark my word, the EPA is going to come after us. The EPA announced they are funding a University of People's Republic of California project to limit emissions resulting in grease drippings with a special tray to catch them and a catalytic filtration system. A $15,000 project, they say, has the potential for global application. The EPA is spending 15000 of our tax dollars, and people may say, well, what's 15000 The government has billions and billions every year in, 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 in budget uh, expenditures. Not the point. I am tired 
of the bureaucrats, the Obama administration, every presidential administration, and Congress wasting our money. It is our money that they take away from us. I am tired of it. You are tired of it. We are tired of it. I don't need to know what the mating habits of the Polynesian shrimp happen to be where they spend all these dollars on these stupid, ridiculous studies. And I certainly don't need $15,000 spent to determine how we can limit emissions resulting from grease drippings on our grills and our barbecues. Here is a little bit more about the technology that the EPA will study with their $15,000 grant that is intended to reduce air pollution and cut the health hazards to barbecue pitmasters from propane fuel cookers. Here we go. Now what they're going to use, just like we hear with cigars and libations, no, no, we're here to protect you and protect others from secondhand smoke and thirdhand smoke. We're here to protect pitmasters. If anybody believes that for a second, I will sell you every bridge in the United States for 50 cents. It is ridiculous to think, it's absurd to think that the FDA is just worried about the health effects on pitmasters from their propane-fueled grills. That is an excuse that we have heard many times before. Remember, it's all for our health. It's for the children. It's always for something else. No, what it is for is the EPA that wants to get into our homes and, as you will see, into our showers and dictate what we should cook on, how long our showers should be, and interfere in our lives more so than they already do. The EPA, in addition to looking at grills, has also been looking at Americans who use lawnmowers, gas-powered lawnmowers, and gas-powered uh, 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 leaf blowers. They're everything around the house they're looking at. Under the guise of, well, we need to protect everybody. This is part of the expansive net that government now cascades over all Americans. The EPA was created under the Nixon administration, a Republican, by the way, to make sure that the water was clean, to make sure that there weren't uh, any hazards in the ground. Now they have grown like a, basically like an unstoppable virus that just grows and grows and grows, and there's no amount of penicillin that can stop it. Even the presidents, if they wanted to stop the EPA, can't do it. Like all these other government agencies, they've gotten bigger with all these bureaucrats that can't get fired. Now, the grant was given to the University of California. The school is proposing two fixes to reduce emissions from barbecues. First, they want to cut back on grease flare-ups. And here is their idea. Now you tell me if you think this is practical on your grill. A slotted and corrugated tray, which is inserted immediately prior to meat flipping and removed immediately after. Now, last night, I grilled a lovely, voluptuous, robust filet mignon, about two and a half inches thick. Do you think when I flipped it several times that I want to insert a tray prior to flipping it? and then taking that tray out. Now, it says this short contact time prevents the tray from overheating and volatizing the collected grease. The collected grease will then drip off into a collection tray and can be used at the pitmaster's discretion. However, total capture is not practical, so the students from the University of California have a second idea. They are proposing a secondary air filtration system 
composed of a single pipe duct system, which contains a specialized metal filter, a metal fan blade, a drive shaft, and an accompanying power system with either a motorized or manual method. And the system can be powered by either an ex exterior electric motor with a chain-driven drive shaft, directly spinning the fan blade, or a hand-powered crank. Now, does that, what I just described, sound practical and reasonable? They want a single pipe duct system which contains a specialized metal filter, a metal blade, a drive, I'll tell you what, a drive shaft. No, what they want to do is shaft the American who wants to barbecue and grill hot dogs and hamburgers and steak and ribs and chicken and pork and fish and vegetables. They want to come after us because now all of a sudden, those of us that cook on grills, we're now evil. We are evil. And this is a repetitive item that we have seen from every government bureaucracy, every government agency. Oh, we're not worried about you. We're worried about the effects on the pitmaster. We're worried about the effects of the environment. I will guarantee you that if Obama wants to have a barbecue, he'll have all the barbecues he wants. But if we want to, well, the EPA doesn't like that. Now, this $15,000 grant is part of the EPA's National Student Design Competition for sustainability focusing on people, prosperity, and the planet. I would rename it National Student Design Competition for Absolute Total BS. Now, the EPA has come out and, say, and said they don't regulate backyard barbecues. Well, they don't now. But do any of you think that the EPA will just stop with a $15,000 study? Don't you think that this study will lead to other studies and eventually the EPA proposing that you either have to have these special, massive, expensive hoods or you can't grill and you'll be subject to fines or they will increase the tax. They'll put a special carbon tax on grills because it spews all this carbon and all the greases that flame up are released into the Earth's atmosphere. It is absolute nonsense. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the General, each month, delivered straight to your door. When you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club for just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. 
Experience the premium Diamond Crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. The Cigar Dave Show resumes in 5, 4, 3, 2. Thanks for listening to Cigar Dave's year-end retrospective. With the Super Bowl just weeks away now, we look back at last year's commercials and the pattern of mail bashing. And here's what else got me a little bit perturbed. As I was watching some of the commercials, and I thought that uh, some of the commercials were okay, not great. I thought the Nationwide commercial was extreme. I didn't quite get that. They got a lot of bad press on that one. But the one that stood out to me was the Run Like a Girl ad, in which they had different boys and and girls asking them to run like a girl. In fact, why don't I just play it, and I will kind of give some play-by-play. Hi, Aaron. Show me what it looks like to run like a girl. My hair. (laughs) Now, at that point, they have a girl who's running a little bit kind of weird. So she's running like a girl, which is something that boys have been saying for a long time, even coaches to their football players. Stop running like a girl. We've all said it. No big deal. But of course, now they're going to make a big deal out of it. Show me what it looks like to fight like a girl. <laughs> now throw. And that was a guy running, you know, kind of like a girl, a little weirdly, a little awkwardly. Like a girl. Aww. So do you think you just insulted your sister? No. I mean, yeah, insulted girls, but not my sister. So this is a kid that now is running a little bit funny, running like a girl. And then they ask, well, are you are you insulting your sister? No, I'm just insulting girls. Again, something that's so innocuous that's been done on playgrounds for probably hundreds of years. My name is Dakota, and I'm 10 years old. Show me what it looks like to run like a girl. Now she's running like a man, you know, running normally. Throw like a girl. Again, throwing like a man. Normally. What does it mean to you when I say run like a girl? It means run fast as you can. Here's what that run like a girl ad means to me. More male bashing. Now, they attempt to raise the self-esteem of girls, but instead what they do is they male bash. Once again, making American boys feel guilty for wanting to be masculine, feel guilty for wanting to be boys, because now boys are the root of all evil for saying, 
run like a girl and insulting a girl by saying run like a girl or fight like a girl or throw a ball like a girl. Here's the kicker. Would you have in a million years? I I didn't even know what the hell the ad was for until I had to take my TiVo and go back and look at it again. It was for always feminine products, always maxi pads, mini pads, and tampons. What the hell that had to do with always tampons or maxi pads is beyond me. But to me, that ad was nothing more than blatant male bashing. And I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Every American boy, every American man should be fed up and say enough. This is nothing more than continuing the male bashing that has gone on since the feminist movement came around 45 years ago. Let's make men feel guilty for being masculine. The root of all women's problems are men. Men need to take their head and put it between their tail and become more feminine. It's exactly what women want. That's what the feminists want. There's no question about it. And I am tired of hearing about the glass ceiling and that we have to give girls opportunity and empower them. Excuse me. But the majority of college graduates are women. The majority of postdoctoral degrees are women. Women can serve in the House, the Senate, the Cabinet, the chairman of the board and CEO's office of major companies. They can be whatever they want to be today. Enough of the bashing of men and boys. And this is why we have seen an increase in the number of shootings, in the number of boys going back and and trying to blow up their school or, or killing others. Why? Because when boys would play cops and robbers as kids and we had our cap guns, we got out all our, our energy. We got all our aggression. That's what boys do. But by penting it up and keeping it tightly wound and in a very tight casing, what happens is all of a sudden there will be an explosion. And when that explosion takes place, boom. We saw it in Columbine, we saw it in Connecticut, and we see it at other places. It's not about the guns. It's about the fact that we now almost criminalize kids for wanting to be boys, playing cops and robbers. Having Didn't we all have cap guns growing up? We used to shoot the caps. It was great. Did we go out and kill anybody? No. Why? Because we did what boys do. We roughhouse, we played cops and robbers, And we acted like boys. And by the way, we weren't always told that you're a winner even if you lost. Oh, don't worry. You're always going to win. Everything's going to be perfect. No, we learned about losing. We learned at a young age about how to accept defeat. Not necessarily accept it, but how to deal with it. Today, everyone's a winner. Everyone's a genius. Everyone's special. And what have we created over 45 years, which is a th- this ad run like a girl is a microcosm. Male bashing, which has created huge problems. Problems that this alpha male in chief is trying to rectify. 45 years of problems, lieutenants. I and the rest of you as alpha males must address, deal with, and change. And so when I see these ads, I'm going to call them out. 
And for Procter & Gamble and always to run this corny ad, Run Like a Girl, they were the schmucks because they spent $4 million on an ad that will not sell one more tampon or one more maxi pad. But I can tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to stick one of those tampons up one of the marketing executives and the creative director that came up with that stupid Run Like a Girl ad. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. The new Romeo Inejo by Romeo y Julieta is crafted with a passion grown through time. Its double-fermented 2008 vintage tobaccos find their perfect companion with a stock-cut dark Connecticut wrapper. Together, they're aged in unique cedar cojones for a bold, sophisticated experience featuring notes of coffee and dark chocolate. Experience the timeless passion of the Romeo Añejo today at your local tobacconist. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Get ready to celebrate the good life with the Monte Cristo Social Club Roadshow, coming soon to a city near you. Enjoy world-class premium cigar brands like Monte Cristo, Romeo y Julieta, and H. Upman. Sip on delicious drinks and savor fine foods. You'll also hear an exclusive lecture about crafting premium cigars from the first seeds to hand-rolled masterpieces. Visit MonteCristoSocialClub.com slash Roadshow for more information and to reserve your tickets to join in the festivities. Surgeon General's warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat even if you do not inhale. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. As we look back at 2015 with Cigar Dave's year-end retrospective, we had to include our Memorial Day interview with Rear Admiral Brian Losey, Commander, Naval Special Warfare Command. It is my distinct honor and privilege to welcome 
to this special edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Rear Admiral Brian Losey, Commander, Naval Special Warfare Command, Coronado, California. One of the groups he oversees, the United States Navy SEALs. And Admiral Losey, it is an honor to have you. I appreciate you stopping by. You're in town for the special uh, operations industry conference uh, going on here in Tampa. Of course, home to MacDill Air Force Base and, uh, and Central Command Special Operations. And welcome to the Cigar City of Tampa. And you have a cigar in your hand. You're one of us. Thanks so much, Cigar Dave. It's nice to be here. Uh, Admiral, you've been headed... Brian, please. Well, I can't do that. i got to call you Admiral Brian. How's that? Uh, your career is just absolutely incredible. I'm looking. It would take me a half an hour to go through your uh, resume here, but I'll let you tell us about your background, how you got in the, uh, in the Navy, and, and your incredible career. Yeah. Hey, Dave, it's not, nothing about my career other than I've been serving with great and wonderful people for 32 years uh, and 36 years total in the military. So um, this weekend... Uh, and the start of this weekend tonight is all about the service and sacrifice of the people that we all serve with uh, that represent America. So I appreciate uh, uh, the opportunity to talk to you and your audience uh, and to convey our appreciation for their support for all the people that have served uh, and have sacrificed, not just those people, but also their families. And, Admiral, I, I want to ask you, uh, the U.S. Navy SEALs certainly synonymous with some incredible missions. And as you said, you serve amongst great uh, men and women who, uh, you know, we always say the greatest generation, World War II, but they're still here today. Yes, they are. And you see them. But tell us about uh, what the biggest challenges you face right now. Certainly, we're in a war on terror. The world is a hot spot. But tell us about the biggest challenges you face in charge of Naval Special Warfare Command. So I think... um you know, our biggest challenge really is to make sure that we're taking care of our people. Our people are, are the most important resource that we have. Uh, our people are our flagship weapon system. Uh, our people are what get the job done. So making sure that we create an environment, a uh, resource for them properly, uh, enable them to complete their mission uh, and serve America uh, in the way that, uh, that America needs to be served uh, is the biggest challenge. Making sure that, uh, uh, that we communicate well with, uh, with our superiors, with Congress, uh, so they understand uh, what we're trying to do, uh, how we view uh, the situations in the different conflict spots in the world. And then we move out uh, and get things done. This isn't unique to the Navy SEALs. It's not unique to special operations or the Navy, but it is the whole of everyone who serves, uh, whether they're in police departments, fire departments, uh, public servants. We're all working together. And just some of your background, Admiral Losey, uh, you graduated, master's degree in national security strategy from the National War College, graduate of the Defense Language Institute, the Armed Forces Staff College, and Air Command Staff College. Uh, your assignments have been uh, uh, all over the world. Uh, Deputy Commander, Naval Special Warfare Task Group, U.S. 6th Fleet, Maritime Operations Officer, Deputy Chief of Current Operations in the Joint Special Ops Command, U.S. 7th Fleet Special Warfare Officer at USS Blue Ridge, uh, served in the Executive Office of the President as a Director of the National Security Council staff, bridging two administrations. What administrations did you serve? I served under President Bush and President Obama uh, at the NSC. And that must have been a unique experience, being at the highest levels of, uh, of this, uh, not only the, the nation, but of what goes on in the world. It was indeed a privilege, uh, but very different from serving with troops. Tell us your background. Tell the, us uh, when you started in the Navy. 
I grew up in an Air Force family. My dad was a, a career NCO in the Air Force. Uh, my wife served in the Navy. She did 10 years as, a, as an NCO as well. Um, I mean, we come from a service background. Both my kids serve uh, in the United States Coast Guard today, uh, and I'm very proud of them. I'm proud to be a part of a, of a large organization, the Department of Defense, uh, where, where we all are oriented towards the same kinds of problems. It is all about the people. Uh, the assignments, the more words you use to describe whatever, whatever is I did in the past really are, are kind of irrelevant. It's been serving with great people for over three decades and well, being led by great people, I might add. Was there one person that uh, was involved in leadership that had uh, a big effect on you, a mentor, if you will? I've had many. Uh, and, in fact, I don't, I don't necessarily learn. I learn from, uh, from folks uh, junior to me as well as senior to me. Uh, every person has something to give and something to get. And so, uh, you know, I could single out some individuals, but that wouldn't be fair to, uh, to 32 years uh, worth right. of working with, with great folks everywhere. You know, everybody's on a path of growth. Uh, you know, there's people you change over time. Uh, I'm not the same guy. Uh, yeah, I've learned a lot of good stuff, I think, in, on how to take care of people. Uh, and that's been an evolutionary process. So uh, I credit everybody that I've served with in 32 years. Give us an idea of what... Uh an average day is like as commander of Naval Special Warfare Command from the time you get up to the time you sleep because I think people would be fascinated because I'm sure you are bombarded with information nonstop. Okay, well I'll give you a quick snippet of what, what it is that we're responsible for doing. Uh, basically, recruit, assess, select, equip, train, certify for deployment and program for a five-year uh, five time frame, uh, all the systems that we need to accomplish our mission on the battlefield. Uh, again, our most important resources are people, so how we select our folks, who we recruit, how we assess, move them into different pipelines, uh, how we continue to evolve them into leaders and folks that can, that can take care of larger and larger tasks is really the coin of our realm. Uh, it is all about people, and good leadership should do more than produce an organization that's well-led. It should produce more good leaders, and that's what we're about, producing leaders. So give us an idea of what the average day is like. <laughs> it always starts what, what? off with PT. Got to get out, get a run in, get a bike in, get a lift in. And in Coronado, uh, California, that's not the most difficult place to really have to do it. No, it's a wonderful place. Yeah, but, you know, every place has been uh, uh, has had its uh, positive features. But I am a West Coaster at heart, uh, and, I, and I, do, uh, I do enjoy where we're at right now. And you're from where originally? Uh, originally from Tacoma, Washington. Oh, you're from Tacoma? Pacific Northwest, yeah. Excellent. Seattle, Tacoma, SeaTac area. Very nice. Been at Tacoma a couple of times. Very nice uh, part of the country. <laughs> when... You got the job when you were promoted to this job. What was the biggest challenge when you walked into the office for the first time yeah. or the command? The biggest challenge every day is to do, to do the best that I can to, uh, to make a positive difference for the folks that, uh, that I serve with. Um, you know, because of the position, I get a, an opportunity to influence uh, how we're resourced, uh, to make a difference for the folks that are on the deck plates actually doing the work. So... Uh, the work that I do is different than the work that, uh, that folks that are in contact with the enemy do, uh, and I've never forget that, uh, that, that everything that I do or don't do has some influence uh, across the force. And so that's what keeps me motivated. That's our, our biggest challenge, um, and I love it. Special guest is Rear Admiral Brian Losey, Commander, Naval Special Warfare Command, also oversees the United States Navy SEALs. Uh, Admiral, we're in a continued war on terror. It doesn't end. It's 24 hours. Your job is 24 hours. Uh, always on call. The phone rings. You've got to be there to take it. As we look out the next couple of years, what is the biggest challenge? 
I think building depth in the network, the global network that's already been established of partners, uh, not just special operators, not just Department of Defense, uh, but our regional and host nation military counterparts around the world. Uh, beyond that, fitting into a whole-of-government approach uh, as our government uh, seeks to, to create conditions that produce security and stability around the world. You know, the root causes of insecurity and instability that brought us 911 if they've been mitigated at all, have only been mitigated to a certain extent. Uh, certainly not enough to stop uh, all, the, all the things that are going on. Right. Anybody can see that out there. So, again, going back to the importance of people, our ability to relate with our partners, our ability to produce effects with them, uh, to seek understanding, and, and recognize that uh, sometimes we have different viewpoints. Uh, this is part of what we work into training our force, is folks that can communicate uh, that can operate in small groups independently and still achieve uh, our president's desired effects. And I would say that uh, being an admiral today is probably different than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago in World War II, where the enemy isn't so defined. It's not like you see him in uniform. It's uh, different enemies around the world. It's not where you're fighting one country or one group. This is around the world, and got to make sure we keep it off our own soil. It is that. You know, and, and in fact, we still have to be able to address the worst case uh, or the traditional case of, uh, of traditional uh, military threats of near-peer adversaries that operate uh, in ways that we're used to from, from previous world wars and conflicts. But indeed, today you have groups of individuals that are not associated with nation-states that are super-empowered through technologies and ideologies uh, to take actions, and, and it's challenging to deal with them through, uh, through the normal mechanisms. And so... Uh, it is a complex operating environment, one where we really haven't been able to shed some of the more traditional responsibilities. So I think the load has increased, uh, and with that, uh, the ability to empower uh, and trust our people, uh, trust the training that we give them uh, to go out and take care of business that needs to be done. So, you know, you, you have uh, generally a, perhaps a view that the senior guys direct a lot of things, and I'll tell you that I spend most of my time empowering uh, folks and providing resources so that they can get the job done. Because they're in the contact patch, they're the rubber that meets the road, and that's where the business gets done. As uh, you know, overseeing U.S. Navy SEALs, I would assume that while you're based in Coronado, California, your job is global in nature. So wherever the SEALs are, you know where they are, you're involved. It is, in fact. We, we produce a product. I'm a producer again. You know, we produce a wonderful product, I think, and it is for global utilization and for operations in a complex world. We had a chance to talk to some other uh, members of uh, Special Operations and some Navy SEALs. And one of the things that's interesting, it's not just about, and I said, guns and grenades. It's also humanitarian missions. That Americans, the American Armed Forces are the first. When there's disaster, whether it's Nepal, whether it is a tsunami, whether it's an earthquake, we're front and center. That's what uh, Americans do, and that's certainly uh, something that I think tends to get overlooked. That's right. Again... Dave, back to the human dimension. You know, these are these are people that are in these rough spots of the world. Uh, these are people, vulnerable populations that are in contact with violent extremists. Uh, we have to be able to provide more value than just security, uh, more than just bringing guns, but we have to be able to meet basic human needs. That's not what, what we do as Navy SEALs, but it's what we do in coordination with, with the interagency and with other governmental partners is to make sure that basic human needs are being met and humanis uh, humanitarian assistance is being provided and that goodwill is generated from that. Do you get the reports from the front lines so that when things need to be changed, you want to know about them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's what we do. Good news and bad news. Always. Yeah. Always. There is no good news or bad news. There's only timely and accurate news that we can, we can form, form uh, 
solutions to. There you go. And uh, I know you're in town for the Special Operations Industry Conference, and we're here at the Bad Monkey, and, and we're commemorating Memorial Day in all those uh, 1.3 million men and women who served in our armed forces. And I always say that you don't celebrate Memorial Day, we observe Memorial Day. And on, right. on Monday, it's, it's imperative that we remember all those because there are a lot of sacrifices that are made. And uh, sometimes when people are out playing golf or throwing a burger on the grill, that's really not what Memorial Day is all about. Well said, Dave. I couldn't agree with you more. And tell us about your love of cigars. <laughs> that's an easy question. Well, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying a cigar here at Bad Monkey. That's right. Uh, the proprietor of whom I've, I've served with for three decades, and he gave over four decades of his life to serving a nation, so I can't think of a better way to observe Memorial Day, or at least the start of it, uh, this Memorial Day weekend, than being here with you all. And when you came in, did you ever think you'd be smoking cigars at a place called the Bad Monkey? I, You know, I had visions about doing that, <laughs> and, and the visions were realized. Well, I'll tell you, Major General David Scott has been a wonderful host and uh, also served his country with distinction, uh, as you have as well. And I cannot tell you what an honor it is and privilege to have you on today on our special Memorial Day edition. Rear Admiral Brian Losey, Commander, Naval Special Warfare Command, also oversees the U.S. uh, Navy SEALs, and we know the outstanding work that they do, much of which we may not know, but they're always there in the background, ever-present, 24-7, 365, around the globe. Rear Admiral... Uh, pleasure having you here in the Cigar City. Enjoy those cigars. I gave you some uh, Gurkha Classic Cigar Havana blends, so I hope wherever your travels take it, you'll enjoy it. Thanks, Dave. And for the IG, we have to note here that the total value of those cigars is less than $20. That's ex- exactly correct. i got to take one back, then. <laughs> I will take one back, and they will be less than $20. No question. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> Absolutely right. This, this is CCRN. The Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. And we continue for our number two of today's Cigar Dave show, our 2015 year-end retrospective, where we look at some of the highlights of our 2015 Cigar Dave show year. And in this hour, lieutenants, we will look at the New Orleans smoking ban. The city of New Orleans, known for Mardi Gras, known for wild times, enacts a smoking ban. And I was absolutely irate when it occurred. We will get into that. Talk about the wussification of boys. It is a trend, a disturbing trend that continues. And then we'll talk about some nonsensical polls against those of us that enjoy cigars. And 2015 marked the 20th anniversary of the Cigar Dave Show. We spent some time with some great guests. Enjoy our number two. The Cigar Dave 2015 year-end retrospective continues. Now, lieutenants, as I always like to do, I like to start on a positive note. I like to start on a happy note because we as alpha males are happy. We enjoy the good life. We enjoy pleasure. We enjoy throwing steaks on the grill. We enjoy the camaraderie and the fellowship of other 
alpha males and very hot dames and females. We're happy people. That's what the enemies of pleasure can't stand. So I always try to make it a point to start off the show each week on a positive, happy note. But unfortunately, lieutenants, the enemies of pleasure do not sleep. And as I mentioned to you last week, we have known enemies in the New Orleans City Council. Warning, warning. Threat con pleasure. Activate appropriate countermeasures. Well, two days ago, on Thursday, January 22nd, in New Orleans, the city council met to either approve or disapprove, take a vote on a proposed smoking ban for bars and casinos. And I told you last week that the smoking ban was proposed by Councilwoman LaToya Cantrell. LaToya Cantrell, her occupation is a nonprofit organizer. She's like Barack Obama, but a female version, a community organizer. And now she's serving on the city council. So essentially, she is a useless sack of garbage. Except when she has the audacity to try to interfere in our rights to enjoy a cigar in casinos and bars. I mean, when you think of New Orleans, you think of the French Quarter. You think of the opportunity to get great jazz music, great music on the bayou, have some great libations, fire up a great cigar. That's what New Orleans is all about. I mean, you take that away from New Orleans, there's really no reason to go visit the French Quarter. But the city council voted. I thought it was going to be a close vote. Because it came out of one of these subcommittees on a three to two vote, it was unanimously approved. The smoking ban in New Orleans on bars and casinos was unanimously approved by a seven to nothing measure, passed unanimously after a series of amendments that were offered by Councilwoman Latoya Cantrell, as well as other members of the city council that restricted the proposed smoking ban. Now, there's also some tweaks that may be made by the city council before the ban goes in effect in 90 days. And it was a very hotly contested issue in recent weeks. One of the big opponents, Harris Casino, which is located right downtown across from the big Hilton Hotel, right uh, in the heart of the convention center district, they fought this. They were adamant against this particular proposed legislation. They said it would take away absolutely 15% or more of their revenues. People would go elsewhere. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And you have to remember when you go into these casinos, whether it's in Las Vegas, here at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in the Cigar City, which I I go to on a regular basis, where we had our great uh, Alpha Male Pleasure Fest the end of November. You go to Harrah's uh, Casino in downtown New Orleans. They all have tremendous filtration systems. In most of these casinos, you go in, you can't smell anything. It smells great because they put so much fresh air through the system that you really can't tell that people are smoking. Well, of course, you had the enemies of pleasure jumping up and down. And even though we had just as many opponents as there were people in favor of the proposed smoking ban, the city council rolled over like a bunch of lame asses like they are and approved the smoking ban by a vote of seven to nothing. Now, There are some exceptions to the regulation. But before I tell you that, some of the one of the the hotly contested items was the fact that smoking in outdoor areas would have been banned under this this smoking ban that was voted on. However, 
that was stripped out of the ordinance before it passed. So essentially, the restrictions are primarily involving indoor areas. And that would extend a 2007 Louisiana state law prohibiting smoking in restaurants and most workplaces to now bars and casinos. The couple of amendments. One would have set a 25-foot buffer zone around entrances and doorways that would also be no smoking areas. So let's say you go and leave the French Quarter. You leave a bar. You want to go fire up a cigar. Say you're going to walk back to your hotel a mile or so away. Well, the streets in the French Quarter are so tight that 25 feet would have been impractical. So consequently, they changed it to now a 5-foot buffer zone. So it's now a five-foot. So essentially, if you walk out the door, you can fire up a cigar, as long as you are not within five feet of the door. The amendment that was voted on also removed the uh, uh, prohibitions on smoking in city parks, at public events, and at bus stops. The law also does not apply to existing cigar bars. And in the case of cigar bars, those establishments may not allow cigarette smoking, which is really not a big deal. Most cigar bars don't allow cigarette smoking anyway. People that go into a cigar bar, uh, I've been into many cigar bars, and you'll see some people want to light a cigarette, and they're told politely, look, this is for cigars only, not for cigarettes. Now, the cigarette smokers can't understand that, but I certainly can understand it. But here's the key. It applies to cigar bars that already exist. So if somebody wants to open up a new cigar bar, can't be done. Now, the question is, which is a little bit ambiguous, if somebody wants to open a new cigar store, cigar retailer, are they now going to be falling under this new smoking prohibition, this new smoking ban in New Orleans? That remains to be seen. Originally, the New Orleans Police Department would have been involved in enforcing the prohibitions. However, Numerous people, including the police, said, wait a minute, we, we have other more important things to, to, to worry about, like murders and, uh, and assaults and rapes and other violent crime. We don't need to be the cigar police or the puffing police. So now it's going to be uh, done by the health department. The violating the ban would carry a $100 fine for the first offense, $200 for the second offense, and $500 for a third offense within a 12-month period. Now, the Cigar Retailers Convention, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Convention, the 83rd Annual Convention scheduled to be held in New Orleans mid-July. An exemption was made so that smoking in cigar bars, as I mentioned, existing cigar bars, in the convention center for this convention and other facilities used for private events is now protected under the smoking ban. So, the Cigar Retailer Convention can still go on. Private events in various buildings can still go on. And smoking in existing cigar bars can still go on. Now, personally, if it were me, I would send a big statement to New Orleans with a big royal salute saying this will be our last convention ever. And our convention, the Cigar Retailers Convention, occurs in the deadest part of the year, the summer. July or August, always dead in New Orleans. This convention, 5,000 attendees, filling up hotel rooms, brings an added shot of economic revenue to the city of New Orleans. I would say to LaToya Cantrell and the rest of the city council, they can go screw themselves by not having the convention there again. It limits the number of places we can have it. However, I think we need to take a stand, and that will be my suggestion to the folks at the IPCPR. 
Lieutenants, we will never stand pat. We will continue fighting. We have to make our voice heard. So we did get some some uh, carve-outs of the smoking ban, but not enough in my estimation. I think they are very short-sighted. And when they start losing revenue at Harris Casino, one of the largest employers in the city, then they will be S-O-L. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime, any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. In this difficult and challenging time when the government is trying to outlaw premium cigars and take away the art form of enjoying a beautiful cigar, we decided to introduce our brand called Prohibition. This cigar is going to be the bootlegger's dream. A gorgeous cigar made in Esteli, Nicaragua, triple capped using a broadleaf wrapper and a Mexican wrapper from the San Andreas Valley. It's got Nicaraguan tobaccos from the Nicaraguan valleys of Esteli and Jalapa. It's rich, it's complex, it's got some spice, some white pepper, and a ton of sweetness. Full of flavor, this cigar is one that you're going to want to enjoy and you're going to bootleg. And that's why it's called Prohibition. Enjoy it, I promise you're going to love it.
It's Cigar Dave's 2015 year-end retrospective. In August, a former news anchor shot and killed two former co-workers in Roanoke, Virginia. The general explains how this stems from the wussification of boys that has occurred over the past 40 years. What took place several days ago in Roanoke, Virginia, actually on Tuesday, where WDBJ reporter Allison Parker, her cameraman Adam Ward, were viciously, brutally murdered, point blank, by a very disturbed, whacked former employee at that station. His real name is Vester Lee Flanagan. He had the on-air name of Bryce Williams. And it is very clear from what we are finding out now that this man had serious issues. But I believe that what we talked about on this show last week, talking about now how the wussification, the feminization of American boys is having a lasting impact, a detrimental impact on boys as they turn into young adults and then into adults, whereby they are coddled, whereby they are told from the time they are young, you are a champion, you are great, you are a winner. They are given everything. They are, they are told that they can do no wrong. And so consequently, what happens is when they never learn to be criticized, to take constructive criticism when they're young, in their formative years, when they become young adults or adults and they're criticized or something doesn't go their way, what happens? They snap. And we've seen it over and over again in this country. And the latest example occurred on Tuesday at 6.45 a.m. This absolute blatant thug son of a bitch murderer, if you're so upset at yourself, you're so mad, you're angry at the world, take the gun, load it, point it to the temple of your head, pick your side, right or left, and shoot. Get rid of yourself. Don't injure others. Don't kill others who did nothing to you. But this was a man who perceived every single statement to be racist or to be an attack on his sexuality. He was black. He was gay. Okay, no problem. Who cares? Nobody cares. However, he took every single statement that was made as an affront to either his sexuality or to his race. Here's a perfect example. In the world of television reporting, radio reporting, television, even in newspapers, there is a standard term that has been used for years. Ever since I've been in the world of broadcasting, which is uh, in excess of 35, I think 35 years now, started very young, there is a common phrase when a reporter is told to go get a story, and that is for the reporter to go out in the field. Now, that's a very innocuous statement. A reporter is told, the assignment editor says, Joe, we need you to get this story. If you could go out in the field and go to City Hall and, and get that, that story. Or when somebody says, well, where is the reporter John Jones? He's out in the field getting a story. Let me ask you this question. Does that sound racist to you? That's a statement that has been used innocuously for years and years and years by white reporters, by black reporters, by Latino reporters, by Asian reporters, by foreign reporters. It is a common phrase. The reporter is out in the field. Well, according to a colleague of Vester Lee Flanagan, a common term, the common term the reporters out in the field would set him off. He would say to other people when they would say, you know, 
the reporters out on the field or we need you to go in the field, he'd say, what are you saying, cotton fields? That's racist. And this cameraman said we'd be like, what? We all know what that means, but he took it as cotton fields, and therefore we're all racist. This man clearly, he was 41 years of age, he is smack dab right in that era where boys were feminized, when the feminists wanted young boys to become wussified, to get in touch with their feminine side, to not be boys anymore. Now, I guarantee you, if this guy, this very twisted individual, Vester Lee Flanagan, when he was a kid, if you played cops and robbers, if you were allowed to be a boy, you wouldn't have all this aggression. You wouldn't lash out. And somewhere along the line, this guy took everything to be racist, or if somebody said anything, it was against his sexuality. This guy had severe issues, probably going back to when he was a child. But I believe that the fundamental root of many of these violent cases of individuals going in and shooting up movie theaters or or co-workers or schools can directly be traced to their youth when they were feminized, when they were not instructed on how to take criticism, when they weren't criticized. I remember my father many years ago told me, one time he was telling me something when I was in grade school, and I reacted. I didn't react uh, positively to it, and he stopped and said, wait a minute. I'm giving you constructive criticism. I'm not criticizing you for the sake of criticizing you. I'm giving you constructive criticism so that in the future, when you do this job or you do this project, you will do it better. You will excel. You will learn from that. And he said, when someone gives you constructive criticism, it's because they want to help you, not because they want to hurt you. So ever since that, when somebody, whether it's a professional, whether it's people today that I work with, say, you know what, Dave, let me give you a suggestion on how that may turn out better or how this may sound just a little bit slicker or a little bit more entertaining. I absolutely listen. So there's no question in my mind what took place in Roanoke, Virginia is a tragedy. Two young people, 24 and 27. And just think about this. They got up that morning excited to go to their jobs, excited to do a story for the morning show. And by all accounts, when you look at those morning shows, I know here in Tampa there is uh, Channel 13, the Fox affiliate. It's a happy morning show. Charlie Belcher, one of their great reporters, uh, very entertaining uh, gent. He is out and about. He gets along. He, he Very interesting stories. A happy guy. The, the anchors are happy. It's an enjoyable show to watch. And I can just imagine that they were all – excited to go out and do their jobs, and just while they're doing it, the last thing on their minds is somebody, a former disgruntled employee, a whack job, a nutcase, is going to come up to them and kill them. And as it turns out, 15 gunshots, and I saw just the beginning of the shots against the reporter, Allison Parker, when she started to run, but it was very clear that Vester Lee Flanagan wanted to make sure that he killed them point blank and he executed them in the head. Each of their heads, they were a bullet to the head, which killed them both. Unacceptable. If this guy is so miserable, take his own life. But to take other people's life is just, uh, it's beyond comprehension. And I looked on his Twitter site, this Bryce Williams, uh, real name, again, Vesterly Flanagan, and he said, Allison made racist comments. EEOC report, uh, report filed. They hired her after that. Adam went to HR on me after working with me one time. Did you ever think this clown should look in the mirror and say, you know what, I've been at all these stations, and everywhere I go, it seems that I'm the one that has the issue. But meanwhile, he loves to point the finger. So the bottom line, lieutenants, is this. 
What took place is a tragedy. It is an outrage. But I believe much of it can lay to the fact that boys for the last 40, 50 years have been, been wussified and feminized from the time that they are born. And the consequences, the ramifications are coming home to roost. And we're going to turn it around and make sure that boys today, they grow up as alpha males, not as little wussified chicklets. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. Hey, I need to hit the bank before we get on the road. Is it your bank across town? No, no. It's right here. Uh, that's a tobacconist. Yeah, I need to pick up some annuities and currency. Did you knock your head really hard recently? I'm picking up the Banker by H. Upman. Annuity and currency are two sizes. You know I don't understand all that financial mumbo-jumbo. And the Banker is a new cigar made with rich tobaccos inspired by the original H. Upman that was created in 1844 by the Upman brothers, who were bankers by trade. It was given as unique present for their most important clients, and the prize cigar was stored in a vault under lock and key. The only thing my banker has ever given me was a calendar with pictures of his dog, dressed as pinup models. It sounds like you need a new banker. Only if you're talking about the cigar. Purchase the banker by H. Upman at your local tobacconist today and look for ways you can crack the code to the vault of the banker by H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. If you'd like to join the alpha male conversational maneuvers, call me during the live show, Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-DAVE-007. That's Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-328-3007. The general tells it like it is. And in 2015, we saw many bogus polls about tobacco and its use. Cigar Dave's year-end retrospective tackles it for you, so you have the full truth. Lieutenants, I hate to tell you this again, but we are under attack. It seems it absolutely never ends. Warning. Warning. We've reached DEFCON 1. Civil rights have been breached. Congressional insurgency has begun. Stand by as your general enacts countermeasures. Oh, I am fully loaded right now, lieutenants. Earlier this week, the campaign for tobacco-free kids. Because it's always for the children. We have to look out for our children. And I love the campaign for tobacco-free kids logo. It is basically a red button, and then in white lettering that looks like a little child, like a little seven- or eight-year-old wrote it, it says, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, because it is all about the children. 
It is neither operated by children. It is neither operated for children. This is a massive, large, professional lobbying organization, a special interest, which has one and only one goal. It is not to protect the children. It is to enact prohibition when it comes to tobacco products, including our beloved cigars. I receive a press release stating, new poll. Americans strongly support FDA regulation of tobacco products, want limits on e-cigarettes, oppose congressional efforts to shield cigars. How many Americans do you think that are actively involved with our fight, our struggle, to make sure the FDA does not limit our rights to enjoy our cigars? Not very many. And how many Americans do you think stay up at night saying to themselves, I must be sure to do my part to make sure that Congress doesn't shield cigars from FDA regulation. As Howard Cosell would say, how many, I ask you, how many? The answer is probably none. But leave it to the campaign for tobacco-free kids to come up with a faux poll, F-A-U, a faux and phony poll. This is what the press release had to say. American voters overwhelmingly support the 2009 law that gave the Food and Drug Administration the authority to regulate tobacco products and oppose efforts to curtail that authority, according to a national poll conducted for the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Voters strongly oppose efforts by the cigar industry to get Congress to exempt some cigars from FDA regulation and support FDA regulation of electronic cigarettes. The telephone poll of 1,000 registered voters was conducted jointly by prominent Republican and Democratic polling firms, Public Opinion Strategy, and the Melman Group. Now, why they are interjecting that statement, that the poll was conducted jointly by a Republican and Democratic polling firm, is to try to give this poll legitimacy by saying this is bipartisan. This has nothing to do with Democrats. This has nothing to do with Republicans. This has to do with bipartisan cooperation. This has to do, this is, this issue transcends party. If you are an American, you should be against any form of excessive regulation. Because as I have stated many times, if you think that the campaign for tobacco-free kids is only interested in tobacco and cigars and it's for the children, you got another thing coming. Because there will be another prohibitionist group right behind them coming out with a poll saying 88% of Americans say soda taxes and limits on the sale of sugar-flavored beverages should be enacted. And the poll was conducted by a Democrat and a Republican polling firm. Guaranteed that is next. And then they're going to go after your steak and your snack foods. They will come after that as well. Because this is not about children. This is not about This is about one thing. Prohibition. That is what these enemies of pleasure want. Now, in this press release, they state, key findings of the poll include fully 81% favor the law that gave the FDA regulatory authority over tobacco products, including 60, you know, I love that number, 69. Look at that, 69% who strongly favor it. 
The law has robust partisan support. 76% of Republicans, 75% of independents, and 88% of Democrats support it. And this is where I know they're full of baloney. Even 76% of smokers polled say they back the law. How many cigar connoisseurs do you think were included in the 1,000-person poll? None. Now, you have to remember one thing about polls. You can craft a poll to create any result you want by how you structure and ask the question. It's actually very simple to do. And I learned to do it in two classes when I was attending Syracuse University. One, a probability and statistics class in which sampling and polls were part of the curriculum. And also, believe it or not, when I was a student at the Newhouse School of Communications at Syracuse University, we actually had a course on ratings, television and radio ratings. And it was very fascinating how asking certain questions, leading questions, could influence the results. All learned in the friendly confines of a college classroom. And every professional pollster out there today, no matter what the poll result states, knows full well they can, re- they can adjust whatever the end outcome they would like. They can do so by adjusting how the questions are asked. Now I ask you this question. How many of you believe that the tobacco for campaign for tobacco-free kids, when they commissioned this 1,000-person poll and asked these questions about FDA regulation of tobacco and cigars— Do you think the pollsters they hired would come back and deliver a poll that didn't achieve the ultimate message they wanted to send and transmit and release via this press release? The answer is overwhelmingly no. You don't spend, and I assure you, 1,000-person study probably for this poll was probably in the area of $30,000 to $50,000. I will guarantee you that public opinion strategies and the Melman Group would not deliver for that thirty dollars to $50,000. They wouldn't deliver a study back to the campaign for tobacco-free kids saying, hey, bad news, 88% of Americans don't want any tobacco regulation or FDA regulation. We know that's not going to happen. They further go on to say, by a nearly two-to-one margin, voters say that Congress should continue to allow the FDA to regulate all tobacco products, including our large premium cigars. 62% say Congress should continue to allow the FDA to regulate large premium cigars, while just 33% say that Congress should pass a law preventing the FDA from regulating such cigars. And this is what Matthew Myers, the president of the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, who's very highly compensated. And by the way, there are no kids on the board of Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Quote, these poll results show that voters understand all tobacco products, including e-cigarettes and cigars, should be regulated by the FDA to protect our children and the nation's health. Our kids can't wait. The FDA must act quickly to regulate all tobacco products, and Congress must not diminish the agency's authority. I ask you this question, lieutenants. How many kids smoke premium long filler cigars? The answer is none. 
There is no way you can find any child on a playground, on a schoolyard, that smokes a premium cigar. And my definition of a premium cigar is a cigar, say, above $3, $4 that is hand-rolled. Long filler. They just don't. So this has nothing to do with kids. However, this has everything to do with prohibition. The campaign for tobacco-free kids are prohibitionists using kids as a cover for their ultimate end goal. And that is prohibition of every tobacco product, including the cigars that we enjoy, the cigars that by law we are entitled to enjoy, and the cigars that as adults we make the free decision to enjoy. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. (laughs) That could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Cigar Day. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Okay, people. We've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado. Got a 91 rating. Plus, it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, Something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club.
The Cigar Dave 2015 year-end retrospective wouldn't be complete without remembering the first Smoke This show that debuted July 8, 1995, 20 years ago. The General remembers. General, congratulations on 20 years of battling the enemies of pleasure. Here's to 20 more. Cheers, buddy. Balls. Miskate, a paper towel, if you would. We have two very special guests that are joining us here in Humidor Way. First of all, Eric Newman and Bobby Newman of J.C. Newman Cigar, two very important people, great friends now for 20 years, uh, who the first people I ever came to when I had this idea to do a show on cigars and the cigar lifestyle, I went to go see Eric Newman at J.C. Newman headquarters in Ybor City. And I'll never forget, they escorted me into the executive boardroom where there are pictures of all the Newmans going back to the company's founding <laughs> in uh, 1895. And Eric, I remember seeing you very well, and I remember looking at the great nostalgia and the aroma of being in the factory. And uh, here we are 20 years later, who would have thought? Cigar Dave, congratulations, 20 years ago. I remember you coming into our, our boardroom, you saw all the Newmans up there, and you had this cockamamie idea to start a radio show. This was before the cigar boom really peaked. You want to talk for cigar, for, about cigars for an hour. I said, Dave, nobody can talk about cigars for an hour. I said, I could. You can't. You <laughs> said, I could. And we kind of, we've known you for our temp. We've known you for a number of years. Dad certainly knew you before we did. And, right. And I'm, I'm not going to say that you were there looking for advertisers, looking for sponsors. And I'm not going to say we kind of felt sorry for oh, you. Oh, no, no, we were. We, we were definitely but, looking but, for but that. But you had your, your hand out there, and we kind of say we felt sorry for the guy. So we'll, we'll try it. it was, no, 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 no. The first thing is you said, tell you what, don't call us. We'll call you. We'll hear the first show. No, but I also asked you, are you really planning to have a second show? That's right. You did tell me that. I remember that very well. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm on at least six months. And, uh, and here we are many years later. And... Uh, Bobby, you know, you take a look. I remember that you and I belong to the same athletic club, the Harbor Island Athletic Club, and I'll never forget about maybe a year after the show started, you're like, Dave, how long, how much longer do you think this show is going to go on? And who knew? And who knew how long the cigar renaissance? And here we are 20 years later. People love cigars more than ever. They love the good life. And I will never forget what your late great father said to me. He said, I'll tell you when it's going to end. When people aren't interested in quality, when people aren't interested in enjoying great steaks and fine spirits and premium watches and nice cars, that's when it's going to end. And he was right on the money. And he was a very prescient individual, even in his 80s and, 90, and going to 90. He was able to really look at the industry in the future, much like really a 20, 30-year-old. He was. Dad had the ability, like Carlos Fuente Jr. and Sr., to look over the horizon to see they had like a eighth sense to see what's, what, what the future holds. And the great irony today, uh, Cigar Dave, and, and, and long ashes to you. Back at you. The great irony. You started in 1995. Uh, we're with uh, my older son, Dawson. He's 21 years old. When you started... For the first two years, you, you would send me the tapes. That's right. And I would drive Dawson. He'd be in a car seat sitting in the back as a, as a baby. And I think it was six months, I think six months old, or maybe, maybe a year two, old. Something a year like that, old. Yeah. And I would just drive around for, for one hour. And I, and I used to send all the tapes to Carlos Fuente Jr. and, and, and Santo Domingo, uh, Dominican Republic. Right. And here we are 20 years later. It is. I will say we are all blessed to be here. Also, my drop-dead gorgeous wife, Meredith, is here. And our, my mother, Stanford's wife, Stanford's first and only wife, is listening. 
on uh, the lovely Elaine Newman. I've got a great Elaine Newman story that I'm going to share with you that she told me because I, I always admired her feistiness. And your father was a ladies' man. There's no doubt about it. Back on July 8th of 1995 at 12 noon, this is what listeners to 620 WSUN heard at the time. AM 620 WSUN. Now, live from the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, it's time for Smoke This, talk radio for the cigar connoisseur. So light up and call. From Pinellas, 576-WSUN, Hillsborough, 221-WSUN, or toll-free, 1-800-356-WSUN. The opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the advertisers, management, or staff of AM620-WSUN. Entertaining talk radio. Cigar lovers, stand up and rejoice. Talk radio for you has arrived. All cigars all the time right here on AM620 WSUN. Entertaining talk radio for the cigar connoisseur. And welcome to our first ever program of Smoke This here on AM620 WSUN. I am Dave, the Cigar Man, your cigar connoisseur, and we'll be coming to you every Saturday from noon to one right here on AM620 WSUN. This is the first show ever, ever devoted exclusively to the cigar smoking connoisseur. From Maine to Maui, there is nowhere else in the United States of America where you will hear a program devoted exclusively to you. Now, Before we begin here, we have three rules, and most of the time when you hear of rules, you think negative, but these are three rules which I guarantee that you will love. First of all, I want you to head over to your humidor. I want you to open up that humidor, and I want you to select your favorite cigar. I want you to take that cigar, and I want you to roll that in your hand. I want you to run it underneath your nose and enjoy that great cigar aroma. Then what I want you to do is take your favorite cutter. It could be a guillotine cut. It could be a a, a cat's eye cut. It could be your teeth. And I want you to satisfactorily cut that end to your enjoyment. And then I want you to take your favorite match or your favorite lighter, and I want you to light up. That is a must here on Smoke This. We encourage everyone to light up. We are cigar-friendly here on Smoke This. Now, the second rule that we have is that you must tell five of your cigar-loving friends about this program. The only program dedicated exclusively to the cigar lover. So you must tell five of your friends. The third thing that you must do is become an active participant here on Smoke This. You must call us here on Smoke This. It is a must. Imagine, if you will, just a group of people getting together, lighting up a great cigar, and sitting around and shooting the breeze for a few hours. That's what we're going to do here on Smoke This. In fact, I am sitting here enjoying my Arturo Fuente Gran Reserva Hemingway. It is lit. The aroma of the cigar is wafting through the studio. Our producer is enjoying a cigar. We've got uh, a guest in the studio enjoying his cigar. Leisure Suta, the general manager of this great station, has partaken in this ritual of lighting up. And the aroma is just overwhelming. In fact, our goal is to have everybody between noon and one here in Tampa 
light up their cigar, and the aroma waft through the entire Tampa Bay area. That is our goal here at Smoke This. So that was our first ever show, the first uh, about three and a half minutes. And the first caller we ever took came in about two minutes later. Got Larry hanging on from a cell phone. Larry, thanks for holding on. Welcome to Smoke This. Thanks, Dave, and congratulations. I think you've got a great idea for a show here, and I think it's going to be a great success. I think he was very prescient. He was exactly right. Who knew back then? But here we are today, 20 years later. It's Cigar Dave's 2015 year-end retrospective. Well, certainly 2015 was a uh, great year here at the Cigar Dave Show. Between our 20th anniversary celebration and the great Alpha Pleasure Fest that took place first in Buffalo mid-August and in November at the Seminole Hard Rock Tampa, we certainly had a fantastic year. And it never fails, lieutenants. Yes, we enjoy the good life, and yes, we enjoy the alpha male lifestyle, and yes, we're proud to be alpha males, but along the line, the enemies of pleasure keep rearing their ugly and disturbing heads. So we continue the battle, and I'm sure that as we look in 2016, this upcoming year, or now this year, we will continue the battle. It does not end, but it really was a great year, and I'm looking back now, the IPCPR, the Cigar Retailers Convention in New Orleans. We conducted four live televised broadcasts with the folks from, we started off with Davidoff, and we had Jim Young and and Hans Christian Oishgard. We talked about some of the new Davidoff cigars, which have just been going through the roof. Then we had had Rocky Patel and uh, Nish Patel, Nimish Desai, from Rocky Patel, we had the great Jonathan Drew Snacky from Drew Estate Cigars, and of course our great friends over at Altadas. We had Javier Estadas, and we had Janelle Rosenfeld and Larry Palumbo, their great crew, and we had some great military shows. We we remember our great veterans on Memorial Day and D Day, and then Veterans Day, and of course I've got to thank our great crew. We've got Colonel Ange, Captain Paul, Mick the Brit. Lieutenant Gary, of course, the ladies' auxiliary, and I've got to thank Voice Talent Ed, who does a superb job every week for us as our announcer here on the Cigar Dave Show. We had a lot of fun with some great specialty shows, St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, the Sun and Fun Air Show, of course, commemorating Frank Sinatra's 100th birthday, Bourbon Heritage Month, Cigar Oktoberfest. And I remind you, all the archives of 2015 are available at CigarDave.com. And whatever you do, make sure you download the Cigar Dave mobile app. But we look forward to a great 2016 and continuing the alpha male lifestyle. Cigar Dave, the general saying, may your humidor always be full. May your cutter always be sharp. May your ash be extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Happy New Year 2016. We're proud to be alphas.